welcome to Cartridge Command, your weekly retro gaming podcast where we discuss and review the classic and not-so-classic games of the 8- and 16-bit era. I'm Nick. And I'm Eric. And this week's game is Blaster Master for the NES. Blaster Master for the Nintendo Entertainment System was developed and published by Sunsoft. It was released in Japan in June of 1988, in North America in November of 1988, and in PAL territories in April of 1991. <laughs> That's rough, man. That is real rough. I mean, the, the Mega Drive had been out for years already. Like, it's no wonder nobody played it in the, or not many people played it over in, in Europe. Yeah. Now, it was released in Japan as a Super Planetary War History Metafight. <laughs> and it was most commonly referred to as Metafight in Japan. Sure. Now, of course, this game has a totally different story in the Japanese version. Yeah, I looked at it a little bit. It's like a future space colony, different world thing. Yeah, yeah. And in America, we got a much goofier version of the story. Oh, uh, infamously goofy, you might say. <laughs> Now, this game was made by a part-time team at Sunsoft, and apparently it was only five people. Oh, wow. I know. They were led by Kenji uh, Sata, and okay. he's the one who came up with the split gameplay design. Okay. But I haven't seen a lot of other uh, games credited to him. Fair enough. I mean, it's interesting, I mean, because you haven't gotten into it yet, but this is a split gameplay, and there are a lot of Sunsoft games, that, or several games, that are similar to the overhead sections of this game. So maybe he left and then they just focused on that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know either. But the music in this game was done by Naoki Kodaka. Oh, no, he's he's great, man. He's in tons of Sunsoft games, which all have great music. You know, Batman we've played. Uh, Gremlins 2. Yeah, Gremlins 2. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And Spy Hunter. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. And I don't know if we mentioned this before, but he left Sunsoft to... Go teach at Dido University. Oh, cool. Yeah, he is a, a teacher of music theory and computer music. Well, it seems very qualified to my ears. Yes. Now, this game did have a few sequels. There is a direct sequel, I think, Blaster Master 2 on the Genesis. Mm -hmm. And then there's also one for the PlayStation. Yeah, I remember both of them coming out, but never playing them. And then more recently, we have seen a remake of the game. Uh, known as Blaster Master Zero. And yeah. it was so popular that it got its own sequel, Blaster Master Zero 2. Mm, I've, I've only played a bit. I, I know you own it, the first one, and it's it's good stuff. It is great stuff. Yes, we'll get into that later. But it is basically still a pixelized game. It's more of a 16 or 32 bit. Mm -hmm. But it basically just gets rid of all the annoying things and improves the quality of life features of the game. Greatly. Sure, sure, sure. Well, Nick, what kind of game is Blaster Master? Well, it's two types of games, kind of. It's a side-scrolling action platformer and a top-down shooter, kind of commando style. Yeah, it's very interesting. I think we'll talk about them each separately. Sounds good. And when the game starts, you are in a vehicle. 
Yeah, a pretty interesting vehicle, a wheeled jumping tank. Yes, and it is one of the best things about this game, because not only is it pretty fun to drive, but it looks awesome. Yeah, it really does. And this tank can jump. Oh, yeah, it's it's got quite a jump. Yeah, it's kind of a variable jump, and it's it's got a weird arc to it, but it feels kind of right for a vehicle. Yeah, it's, I mean, as, as we get into this tank controls, it, a lot of the way it moves isn't quite, like, twitch accurate, kind of, I mean... But it feels so appropriate for a tank, you know? Yeah, because you're not controlling a human, so you can't just turn around on a dime. When you turn around in the tank, it does. there's a moment of the turret spinning around. Because yeah. the, the tank is really cool. It drives any direction you want. It's the turret that changes, not the, the tank itself. Yeah, so cool. And its inherent tankiness also moves into its weapons, where this uh, tank is not defenseless. It has a gun, of course. Mm-hmm. And when you start off, you have like a normal, just a normal shot with it. And we'll talk about all the upgrades as we go. Sure. But what's interesting is this gun not only shoots forward, but it can shoot vertically as well. Yeah. But when you shoot vertically, it is not straight up from the center of your tank. No, it comes out of the the cannon, which takes a second, you know, a frame or so to move up into firing position. And then when it is firing, it's, you know, at the back half of the tank shooting up and the tank takes up two squares. So you have to think about that when you're, you know maneuvering it yeah yeah now as you progress through the game the tank will get upgrades yes it will and we'll talk about those in just a second but also in the same side-scrolling mode you can leave the tank yeah that's right you press select and you're you hop out then you're a little tiny character and as a tiny human i guess you are or whatever in your suit you can also jump and shoot yeah it's you know much smaller jump and a much smaller shot as you might imagine yeah, it doesn't go across the entire screen, and it is a little weaker than your cannon. Mm-hmm. And your jump is also smaller, but as a human, you're also way more fragile than the tank. Yeah, there's uh, falling damage to be had, as well as, you know, the enemies will tear you up. Oh, there is a lot of falling damage to be had. <laughs> because you cannot go very far down without getting hurt. In fact, if you jump off of a lot of ledges, that's enough to hurt you. Yeah, yeah. So you have to be very cautious. Yeah. As a human, you want to just fall down to the next ledge, not jump. Yeah. Now, your little person has separate stats from the tank. So you have your own health and the tank has health. Yeah. And those are represented by your power, power level, power bar. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. And what's cool is that no matter how damaged you are as the human, when you get into the tank, then it replenishes all of your human life. Yes. But when you are out and about as a human or a tank, you will have to get refills of P for power to refill your health. Yes, that's a enemy drop usually, but you can find them just sitting around sometimes. Yeah, because the other mode of this game, once you've gone into little man mode outside of your ship or tank, you can then enter small doorways. Yeah, these will lead you to the other half of the game, which is the top down uh, again, commando style, I guess, uh, you know, it's a room to room. I guess Zelda is a little closer, but it's a little action level. Yeah. And in this mode, you cannot jump. No, no, you cannot. I'm guessing the ceilings are just really low in these levels. <laughs> yeah, something. Well, your big head maybe is too close. <laughs> and you can only fire in the cardinal directions. That's right. But you can move diagonally. Yes. Now, when you are in the overhead mode, you have a separate gun, a different gun than you use outside. Uh, yeah. Um, and this gun changes. It has different levels. Uh, there's 
you have a, a gun meter, which tells you how powerful it is and, and what effects it will have, kind of. Yes. And to increase this gun power, you find little gun power-ups throughout the levels. Yeah. A lot of times they are hidden inside breakable blocks. Mm-hmm. Or just sitting in the corner, I think, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Now, the downside to this system is that when you take damage, not only do you lose power, but you also lose guns. Yeah, this is a was a bad move on the game design part, I think. <laughs> in a way, I understand it and I like it. And there's one thing they can do to fix it, which they did do in the Zero version remake. Yeah. And that is that you have a one-hit shield. Sure, yeah, yeah. That recharges. And when that shield is hit, you don't automatically lose your weapons at that point sure yeah it's yeah and and i mean the big thing is that you really want a super powerful gun in certain parts of the game and then if you lose it there's a a lot of backtracking usually to power it up yes now also while you are walking around as a person you will find flashing peas or power Mm -hmm. power ups and that refills all of your health i'd only refill four and that refills some of your health (laughs) i'm not sure sorry (laughs) Yeah, I don't know either. I just, uh, I never, I, I was never that far down the health ladder the way I played. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I know that the, the hover is for. And there's also a, a flashing hover or H that you will get. There's also for, I guess. Yeah. Are there any other items you find in levels? Uh, well, there are the uh, special tank weapons. Yes. And those are usually the reward for completing certain areas. Yeah, yeah. Now, while you are in this third person mode, Instead of being able to jump, you have the ability to toss a grenade. Yes, it's a, uh, you know, goes down a little arc and you you get a pretty cool little explosion. And you have infinite grenades. Yes. Which is nice. And you can, I've noticed where the first grenade, I don't know if it's just while you're walking, but you, you the, it seems to come out and go a little farther than your normal one. Huh. Well, I rarely use them unless it was a boss. Eh, I use them off and on depending on, on where my gun's at, you know. Yeah, I I feel you there. Now, there is a classic trick you can do with these bombs, and that is to pause the game. And I don't know what they did, but when they coded it, they made it so that the damage taken during the pause continues from a grenade. It's, uh, yeah, it's a little weird. Um, You you use that. It can be used against half of the bosses in the game in levels two, four, six, and seven. Mm Mm-hmm. But you have to be careful because that pausing while they're taking damage, you can catch yourself in that and you will die if you're taking damage when you pause it. Indeed. And that's the easy way to beat a couple of the bosses for sure. Yeah, yeah. Some of the tougher ones too. Now, we did talk about this gun having different levels of power. We did. So let's go through those real quick. Let's. So when it starts out, you have a pretty standard little gun that shoots not too far. Yeah, it is short range. But with a one or two notches up of your gun level, it increases its range. Mm-hmm. And speed. And speed. And that's kind of the case for each of these upgrades. Yeah. So what is the second form the gun takes? Well, this is uh, one of my favorite guns, especially growing up, even though it's not the coolest. But it shoots your standard full screen forward shot. But you get two mm-hmm. additional shots that circle back around and then go forward. It's really weird. And kind of hard to wrap your brain around it at first yeah it's i mean it's not the best but it does it can let you shoot around corners which uh, is nice in mm-hmm. plenty of places and things to the side because you know you can't strafe in this game so being able to hit stuff on your sides is pretty handy yeah yeah and this this gun is kind of bumps up into a problem that the even more powerful guns will have is that 
you know, you get that one that's or the bullets that are circling around, but if they hit a wall, they're just gone. So, you know, it does kind of cramp it in a way, you know? Yes. Now, once you pass that level, what does the gun look like? Well, then you get start to get the big wave, uh, kind of cramped sine wave pattern, you know, of, of the bullets will start really coming out. You shoot a lot of them. So you start getting these these gray bullets that spray out, and it's pretty cool. And, and you know, it does shoot a lot of bullets. But again, like the other, uh, the previous gun, if you're in a narrow passage, this thing is just shooting into the wall next to you. And it's, you're getting lots of fun ex- wall explosions. Yeah, it's and it's kind of sucks. It's something that uh, another similar Sunsoft game bumped up against uh, Fester's Quest, mm. where if you're in one of the, you know, the sewers or something, you'll have, say, kind of like the F gun in Contra 1, where you get a little spiral shooting gun, but it'll just shoot into the wall and it can't get any farther. So you end up with this horrible little piece of junk. However, here in Blaster Master, that does get solved when you get to the final level of your gun, your eighth point on the meter where the bullets turn super colorful and you know as a whole spectrum of colors and then they can pass through walls so that really helps mitigate that problem for the most part but sometimes it still acts a little wonky it is weird too because you know like i said it's a it's a wave so guys can get in between them and it can be tough to aim just because there's so much going on yes very much so and this is the the gun you definitely want to have in all your boss fights if you can yes because it really minimizes the amount of aiming you have to do at weak, weak spots. Yeah, definitely. But of course, you have the never-ending balance of trying to keep that up while never taking a hit. Yeah, that's the that's the problem there. Um, and one thing that I did discover, I mean, I, I didn't discover it, I read it, but I, I never knew uh, while playing it this time, is that in the overhead levels, if you throw a grenade and hold down the button, then you will not change your facing when you move. So you can strafe, and it's a huge help. Yeah, it definitely makes the boss fights uh, a little easier, for sure. I think it makes some of them way easier, but in certain levels, too, where it's just like guys are waiting around a corner. What do you do? You know, like, uh, I don't know, but we'll we'll get there. Yeah, there are some very tight entrances and tight corners Mm -hmm. to be had. Indeed. Now, the overhead levels don't always culminate in a boss battle, but that's the only places you're going to find bosses in this game. Yeah, that's kind of the... If you've never played before, you know, each side-scrolling tank level will have multiple doors to little rooms you can go in to try to find find the one with the boss and to search for weapons and other, well, just weapons, <laughs> maybe health, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. because if you're using a map, you can skip huge chunks of this game. Yeah, yeah. And let's talk about these things you're going to find while you are out and about, because there are a couple more items you're going to find in the overhead levels that, that do directly affect your tank. Yeah. And... Those are a couple of special weapons the tank can get. There is the homing missile. The best, yeah. It does exactly what you think. One little missile will pop out and chase down the closest enemy. Yeah. But it can uh, be defeated by walls and ceilings, etc. Yeah, yeah. So it's not always the best. And it does shoot one per enemy that's on the screen. So if if there's four enemies, it'll shoot out four. And when you get these items, you get them in... You know, one little icon will give you 20 up to a maximum of 99. Yes. Now, this last playthrough, I did not go out of my way for them. So I was never fully stocked usually. Yeah, they're all right. But um, they're, the main thing with these is that there are some enemies that are just too short for your tank to hit. Yes. So that's why the next item is the one that I use the most. Mm. The triple missile. Yeah, the, the multi-warhead. Yeah, is that what it's called? Yeah. All right. Well, the, the multi-warhead, three missiles pop out of your tank. 
they separate and one goes a little bit above one below and one right in front and they actually go through don't they go through walls yeah like when they pop out i think some of them do but really this is just the thing you have to use when fighting the worm creatures yeah yeah and it's just nice for clearing out enemies below you as you're jumping down yeah, and these are the most common of these three items, which, you know, even if you don't go out of your way, you, you pick up some as you go. Yes. So you usually have, have quite a few. And the final weapon, which I wanted to use a lot more than... Yeah. Well, actually, I use it a lot, but it never worked out like I wanted. Yeah. And that is the lightning. Yeah, the thunder break, which shoots out a lightning bolt down from your tank, which definitely goes through floors and walls. But acts sometimes a little hinky in water. Oh, you know, um, and and it's got it's kind of weird because you can't actually aim it. And it. It makes like a different shape lightning bolt. I feel like there's three or four. It could be. Yes. And it also kind of depends on like what direction you're facing, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the angle it goes down at. Yeah. So it's it's very unpredictable and hard to aim. That's, the key takeaway is very unpredictable and hard to aim. <laughs> I really wanted to make this a useful item and use it on a lot of things, but I could never, ever get it to go where I wanted I found that, you know, there's some areas where, because this is a pretty common and I didn't really care about it as a weapon. So I wouldn't mind just like, if I'm falling down, just start jamming and hey, maybe if something is underneath me, it'll get it. Yeah. Whenever I used it, I just used it without abandon. I was like, oh, I'm just going to use as much of this as I want. I never rely on it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. it was it was just like, I'm going to spam some things to see if I can lightning anything below me. For sure. Yeah. It, it's pretty disappointing. I, I remember seeing it in nintendo power before i played and, and i was like that's awesome i can't wait to use that and yes i'll be lightening everything from below above. <laughs> and those are just the extra weapons in the sub menu you can use on the tank because when you pause outside you do get to see a cool little uh, schematic of the tank yeah and you can choose which of those weapons to use yeah and then to fire them you press down and your attack button yes which can be a little tricky in the the water levels I often did it on accident. Oh, yeah. I if, if these weapons were super rare or something, I would be mad because I, I would use them pretty frequently on accident. But they're they're so common and cheap. It's, it's no biggie. I, I thought. Yes. Now, as you progress through each level of the game or world or what are they called in this? Uh, stages, I think. Stages. You're pretty much given a new ship component or tank component each stage. Yeah. After you defeat the boss. The first uh, item you're going to get after the first boss is the hyper beam. Yes, and this just, it, it makes your weapon stronger. And this uh, makes the shot shoot further, right? In addition to being stronger. Yeah, yeah. It looks a little different too. It's like longer. You know, before you had like a little gray pellet. Now it's like a gray fireball. Like a comedy looking thing. Yeah. And then after the second boss, it gets upgraded to the crusher beam. Yes, uh, th- this one is a, it looks the same, but it's a rainbow colored, you know, it uh, cycles through colors as it goes and it will destroy certain breakable wall sections. Which mainly used as shortcuts. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, it's gatekeeping. Like once, you know? Yeah, once you get this, now you can shortcut through areas or get to an area you couldn't before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the third upgrade for your tank is the hover mechanics. Yeah, uh, which is... Uh, one of your meters that you have, you collect H's to fill it up, up to eight, and then you can use those by pressing up and your jump button to... Accidentally, all the time. <laughs> yep, yep, waste your power, but you'll uh, you'll go flying a little bit. It, it's a weird... It, again, it feels like a it would be a tank, you know, like it's sluggish yes. at first and you get some momentum going. 
Now you've been teased with these H power-ups the whole game before now. Yeah, yeah. And you can collect them and they do nothing for you. Yep. And you will swear that once you've gotten the hover mechanics installed, you'll see far fewer of them. Yeah, sure. That's <laughs> correct. It just feels that way. Yeah, yeah. And it looks cool too because your wheels turn down. Yeah, back to the future style. Yeah, yeah. And then you, you, you know, they get a little jet coming out and you hover up. Really cool. It is awesome. I mean, the tank in this game, which I don't know if in this one is called the Sophia. It, well, we'll talk about that later. But uh, it is so awesome. I mean, like uh, as a kid, this is everything you want out of a vehicle. Oh, yeah, man. This is something I remember from Nintendo Power. I think it was a poster and it had like a plasticine model of the tank. It looks so cool. I really wish I had a toy of it, you know? Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to go look on Thingiverse later. Yeah, yeah. Hey, See hey. if anyone's made a 3D model of that. <laughs> yeah. And the hover mechanics are another huge uh, kind of gateway upgrade mm -hmm. to the vehicle. I mean, without them, you can't get to certain areas, and they make certain areas easier to traverse. Indeed. Because I guess we haven't really mentioned the fact that this is a very early Metroidvania-style game. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, it teases you with certain areas you can't get to. You have to come back when you've got the appropriate power up mm -hmm. uh, and that hover mechanic is once you have a, a key aspect of the game and your movement in it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the hard part is making sure you have enough hover juice or whatever it is yeah because there are some places where you just have to grind you know because certain enemies will drop hover exclusively you want to find those and oh that makes a lot of sense like those turrets from the ceiling yeah or, or those like bird bat things that come in the they fly in the wave formation yes oh man that would have made things a little easier if I had realized that. <laughs> but it's all right. I cheated a lot. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, the next item you get is sadly one of those pretty lame one use key items. Yeah, it's there's one place that you can use it to open a door to get through to the next area. And it is literally just a key. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because in the manual, it says under its function, it says can open a certain door. I, I don't understand why they couldn't have made this any sort of like high tech thing. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like not even like a key card. Yeah, no, it looks a like an ignition key. <laughs> yeah. So eh, uh, after the fifth level, though, you do get the dive part. Yeah, which lets your tank kind of like the hover, your back wheels rotate a bit, and then you can use the tank to swim underwater. Now, sadly, when you're underwater, you no longer have that cool rotation animation for your turret but instead you can move in all three directions pretty easily mm -hmm. now you can go underwater in the tank without this dive part yeah it, it's it severely limits your movement and your jump height so you can get stuck under there if you're in the wrong place well you can't get stuck but it's it's necessary for some places later mm -hmm. and when you are in these side scrolling levels and get out of the tank your little guy he can swim freely in all directions without any special parts or anything yeah it's some some pretty good swimming and nobody has to worry about drowning nope thankfully you're wearing that that little suit yeah as i like to call it and we'll talk about later the hello kitty suit I, it's not it's an, it's an appropriate name <laughs> now following that you get the wall mechanics upgrade yeah and it does a lot of what you think it will. It lets you drive on the walls. It's pretty cool. Uh, unfortunately, you can't like jump onto a wall. You have to drive up the corner. Mm -hmm. And it's not, not like too bad. the sticky balls in uh, Metroid. Sure. Yeah. And the thing, I wish you could turn this off because when you start using it accidentally, it can be very frustrating because every little vertical ledge, you'll start to climb up it, you know, and you're like, mm -hmm. oh, no, I... I I was just trying to get close and jump. So it, I don't know. It's just a little annoying at certain parts.
parts. And then sadly, a little lackluster is the seventh upgrade, and that is wall two. Yeah, which this lets you climb ceilings. And it's not very useful. It's just to get to a certain area or two. Yeah, I kind of wish either of these powers were... I wish the levels were designed more to like, oh, I could use this instead of it just being really just a key, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, Eric, uh, what would you say if I told you there was evidence that there may have originally been an eighth weapon? Like a, an eighth power-up for the ship or a weapon for your yeah. guy? No, for the tank. Um, there's unused graphics for an eighth little power-up, and it's called Spike. And what does and that the, let you do? Well, the theory is it lets you drive and walk over spikes without taking damage. Well, that would have been the walking part is really what I care about. Yeah. Well, I I noticed this on a website where the you know the theory is is that uh, spoilers the final boss is two forms kind of, mm -hmm. but they appear in different rooms. Like even though you just you know they just come one after the other. If you look at the background while before it turns black or whatever, so yeah. The theory is that there are there was originally going to be those two bosses were in separate rooms and you would have to beat the first one to get the spike to get to the last one. Because there's a lot of weird like, especially in the side scrolling parts uh, in the final level, there's tons of spikes. Yes, but luckily they're not a one hit kill. No, no. But they are but, annoying. Very yeah, annoying. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I just when I saw that, I was like, oh, I, have, I wish, you know, that would have been a very interesting and useful upgrade. That is for sure. Mm hmm. So in this game, you do have a life meter. It's eight segments long. Mm -hmm. And it never gets bigger. No. You can get hit without losing it. I feel like you actually have like 16 hits or something, especially as the tank. You can take a lot of damage before it truly... You know, I guess it depends on the enemy. They, yeah, they seem totally. to have different... Smaller enemies do inflict less damage. Yeah, and like falling in spikes does like two life blocks of damage instantly. So it's pretty strong. Yes. Either way, when you... Uh, and when you die, you lose life. You start with three. If you lose all those, then you can continue from the start of the stage, but you only get four continues, although it does not number them. Hmm. That's pretty rough. Mm -hmm. And there's no way to get uh, extra lives? Not that I know of. And one thing that makes this game kind of deadly is that you don't really get knocked back when you get hurt, oh, especially yeah. in the overhead levels. Yeah. So you, you can get like mobbed if if you're not careful, you know? Definitely. It's one of the many ways that this game can be a very cruel, cruel mistress. <laughs> All right, Nick, this is Sunsoft, not known for the highest of quality in many aspects, possibly leading to the manuals. But uh, as we mentioned earlier, the story of this game is vastly different from the Japanese counterpart and mainly told through the manual, correct? Yeah, uh, it is a bizarre story, um, which I clearly was just made up at the last minute, I think, where you star as a boy named Jason, and yep. one day your, your pet frog, you know, this is all told in a uh, story section, you know, before you start, but your frog gets away and jumps onto a radioactive crate which then enlarges it and then falls down a hole. And Jason loves his frog so much that, you know, he he, he gives chase. And uh, in the hole, uh, you just find yourself next to this tank and you decide to go get your uh, your frog back. So that's it. Yeah, you climb into that tank and you're ready to go. You know, it just, you know how to drive it, apparently. But... <laughs> But yeah, so it was always, you know, this was always kind of famously a, a dumb story, but 
you know, and you do get a bit of that in the manual. It is uh, 20 pages and it is black and white. You get some screenshots, but no, no art except for you get like vehicle specs at the end that has the dimensions and it shows it front, rear and side view. Like drawings? Yeah, kind of like a similar to the one in the subscreen, you know, where it's just. Uh, Ooh, I want to check that out because I do love that subscreen. Like an orthographic projection kind of. But what is funny is that it, it gives you some stats about it's like height, length, weight. And apparently it weighs 150 tons. Wow, that's some intense future <laughs> metal there. Uh, most tanks are like 60 tons. That, uh-huh. I, I looked this up to see. So, man, to, to be able to make a 150-ton tank jump, you know this thing's got some power. Indeed. And one thing that I wonder, too, is that all the enemies are described as mutants, although I think they look like robots. Oh, totally robots. So or weird to be, Yeah, I feel like this had to be, I mean, maybe this was right around the time Ninja Turtles, but they were like, no, no, no they're mutants. So it does go through your tank abilities and stuff and your power-ups. Although, as we discovered, it mislabels the first two, the Crusher and Hyper, has those mixed up. Mm-hmm. And that's not the only mistake it made. It does have the Mutant Bosses section where it okay. shows a screenshot of all the bosses except for the last one. Oh, just kidding. It doesn't show the first one, and it has a picture of the big monster instead of it. Oh, weird. So, yeah, they screwed that up. It does have special hints and stuff where, you know, they really try to hammer down that it's like, you need this item to get to this stage. You know, much like you need the hover to get to stage four, you have to backtrack. It has a map of how all the stages connect. And these little mini maps of the stages themselves that really only have like the rooms, not without platforms. But it does tell you where the boss door is and where entrances and exits to the interconnected stages are. So I could see that being pretty helpful for a first timer. Oh, yeah, for sure. But this isn't the only book for Blaster Master. It was one of many games to receive a Worlds of Power book from the Scholastic Book Sales. And I was going to bring this up in the uh, personal history segment, but as it's been mentioned before, you are or were a huge fan of these books in school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was a fan of anything Nintendo, so I always got them because yeah, I was, I was able to get a book. Not allowed to get these books because they were not deemed real books by my mother. They barely are, but... Uh, <laughs> So I was able to track down, I couldn't find my copy, but I did find a transcription on the internet, as well okay. as someone who read the audiobook on YouTube. Now, did you, did you reread the whole thing? I did. And I did you also pages. listen to the audiobook? No, I, okay, I did for a few things because, you know, I was reading through it and it, you know, it had this weird prologue I didn't remember, but then I was like, okay, I kind of recognize this, you know, and I get to a point where Jason calls one of the mutants an asshole. I'm like, well, I I don't remember that. And then as I'm going through, all these curse words keep getting, you know, he's, he's dropping f bombs and stuff. And I was like, all right, this is crazy. And and then I checked in the credits, and it was like transcription and edits or something made by a guy. He put in some some weird jokes at the end about uh, Star Wars and the Phantom Menace. I I don't know, but so I used the audiobook to check where I was like, is the rest you know like it was? And and it was okay. But it's interesting. It was written by Peter Larangus under Worlds of Power pseudonym FX9. Oh, yes. It's it's interesting to see because I'm like, I don't think this guy was a video gamer, you know, at his age in the, in the late 80s. But so it's interesting to see how they try to incorporate different elements of the game into, you know, the story. But this has uh, several differences, and some of which became canon for the series, such as this. this is where your frog is named Fred. And is noted to be the level six boss. Yeah. 
this is where the you know the tank is named Sophia the Third, which is a name that appears or kind of in the pause screen. You know, you see it underneath. It says like Sophia the Third, Nora, blah blah blah. That's from Metafight, which Sophia yeah, that was the, the third the planet they were on, correct? Yeah, and Nora was like a satellite space where or something that built the tank. Gotcha. Now they take this lore and they incorporate it into Blaster Master Zero in a couple of really interesting ways. Yeah, and I've heard too, this introduces an alien female named Eve who comes and she explains how to use the tank. There's this long story about she's chased the the boss, plutonium boss, destroyed her planet. Now he's going to do it to Earth and she followed him. And there's another character, Alex. You know, she's like recruiting people or something to just go after the plutonium boss. And he was a, a previous recruit. And because his pet, which was a pet lobster named Plutarch, became the boss of level five. And he was already down there. And, you know, it's all right. It's a lot of, uh, you know, kind of lame jokes where the Eve doesn't understand our idioms and things, you know, or oh, I don't know Earth, but classic fish out of water stuff, huh? Yes. Yeah. And. You know, they go through and it, it isn't it, it's really interesting because they kind of describe the the path to the first level and the bosses. It describes them all, but it, it starts to really just bust through and check them off like a list where it's like, OK, and then we went here and there was this boss and we beat him. And then now we're here. We did it. But yeah, it, it's it, it's OK. I, I remember liking this one all right because it wasn't a of the worlds of power. The lowest tier were the ones where it was like, whoa, you got sucked into the game. So it's like a kid. And Simon Belmont go on an adventure or I I think we've we've mentioned this before, but no kid likes the story of anyone getting sucked into the thing they love. Yeah, I'm like, just tell the story in the game world. Like that's that's what I always wanted. I so begrudgingly if... watched a zillion episodes of Captain in the Game Master. Yeah, and now yeah. Lamely portray him as an adult. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> but like, I, I still don't like that whole system, that setup. I I agree, but yeah, so and if I remember right, they had tips at the end of chapters, but I, they didn't have those didn't get transcribed. So all in all, it was all right. It's uh, if you're a grown up. You can read this in about 40 to 45 minutes. Cool. And, uh, you know, it's uh, luckily. It's I all right. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear about the next game we cover in the Worlds of Power book series. Yeah, indeed. So, Nick, what is your personal history with Blaster Master, not including the Worlds of Power book series? Well, uh, it's a game I played semi-frequently, did not own, but rented multiple times. I really liked it, but it was so hard I could never beat it. Yeah, that is uh, my my problem. Is I, I borrowed it, or I, mean, I, I rented it once, I think, and it is so vast at the beginning, like, mm -hmm. that you just, without any kind of uh, Nintendo power to guide me, after the initial areas, I was just totally lost, and it's so hard. Yeah, I was able to get to the level five boss. was always like, that was my record for many years. Okay. But, I mean, this is a tough, like on a rental, ooh, I don't know. For sure. This is one of those games I always considered, like, almost unbeatable. Yeah, I mean, it was always in the pantheon of hardest NES games, uh, as far as I was concerned. Which is why I must give a shout out to a friend of the show, Bill. Mm -hmm. He has beaten this game legit on old school hardware. He's a real American hero. Uh, it was a feat that my son to this day goes, every once in a while, I'll just look at me and go, I can't be, believe Bill beat Blaster Master. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, it's, it's a tough one. 
It is. It was too tough for me as a child. That's for sure. So, Nick, what was your more recent experience with the Blaster Master? Well, um, well, well I, I think you should start by saying that in between childhood and now, you've played this game off and on a fair amount. Well, yeah, that's true. I I own this game. In fact, I think good old Bill bought me a copy many years ago. And from time to time, you know, because it was always you know, that one that got away. I could never beat it. So I would give it a try. And I, I had managed to get to the final boss, but I, I never beat it. And, you know, once <laughs> it's tough and once you dive that one time, it's like, holy geez, am I going to go all the way out of this level? And then it, it, there's nowhere to fill up your gun nearby. So I always uh, I could never do it until now. But I did cheat so <laughs> understood i played this game a lot i mean i'll rephrase that we we played this game a lot uh, my mm-hmm. son actually played it probably more than me he has played it a, a great deal and he loves the zero games oh sure yeah he beat both of those so he was actually very eager to jump into this with me and this is definitely a game that if you have someone running maps for you it is a thousand times easier sure yeah because while this game isn't very complicated can be confusing which doors you need to go in and which ones you don't oh yeah definitely (laughs) so i think we played this about four or five times but i did play it on the switch with their classic game service oh nice which is the only way to play it as far as i'm concerned because it has a rewind feature yeah i bet that's super handy it is the most handy because whenever you take that stupid nick from walking over a spike yeah. Or you accidentally use your hover when you didn't mean to. You can mm-hmm. just instantly get that right back, Ugh. which I did over and over and over again. I, I, I saved in between gameplay sessions. Mm-hmm. And the only time I really in game was save stating was this point at the very end. There's a spiky hallway in the tank. Oh, yes. And it's I was really baffled at how to get you know it took me a while of trying over and over to be like all right there's got to be a way to get through here without dying and having to go all the way back so i you know i i think i could do it now but took me uh some serious cheating to learn Uh, i also beat this game but like i said i did use that rewind feature very heavily so i'm not gonna really claim a clean victory on this one at all (laughs) Right, folks here we are in the general chat portion of our show and i would just like to start by saying that this tank has some of my favorite animation on the nes across the board it's so good it might be my most favorited sprite on the whole system yeah there, there's so much about it like i remember playing and you know your wheels they kind of look like a a screw head, not a Phillips, but a standard one, right? You know, you have that yeah. one line. They don't quite line up, but the, when you're moving and they roll, like I remember my dad being like, oh, that's really cool. And and like when you it turn. It is so smooth. Like, yeah. It looks smoother than anything else on the system. Yeah. And it's it's so awesome the way, you know, when you turn left, just your, your turret turns. When you jump, the wheels in the center kind of crunch up and extend, you know, it just, oh, it looks awesome. Yeah. All the movements of this vehicle look perfect they really exude the weight of the vehicle Mm -hmm. the turning everything it just seems spot on yeah and you know like the the jumps a little weird certain things are a little weird but they feel very tanky you know Mm -hmm. and the way you look when you enter hover mode man like everything about it is just awesome yeah yeah i like the 
you know, and the background art is great. You get tons of different uh, terrain and stuff. I like the enemy designs are, you know, it's weird that they're all gray, which normally yes. I would complain about, but I kind of like it. It does have that thing where if you would have, you know, showed that to me just in still pictures as a kid, that's the thing you, you always associate with like low quality games where, oh, they only use like two colors for enemies or one. Mm hmm. But in this, it does kind of make sense as if it's like a robot army or something. And they're yeah, all that's... varied enough in their size and movement that it, it isn't just repetitive. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. And I like the way, like, there's like three different types of enemy bullets. There's the real little ones. Then there's the big round kind of cannonball looking ones. And then I think there's red cannonball ones later, you know, but it establishes this kind of visual language of how much damage you're going to take from it. And it's a consistency that seems kind of like realistic, you know, like, I, I don't know, you don't see big monsters shooting little bullets. It's always or robots, I should say. It's really cool. No, it is. And to go back to what you're saying earlier, the backgrounds of this game are really nice. You are never confused as to what is foreground, what is background, what you can interact with. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they do a great job of each different stage or world or whatever has a very unique and different look to it. And almost like a story, whereas, you know, the one level you're going underground through caves till you get to the sewer system. Yeah, yeah. Things like that. They feel like they do link together and they do make what feels like a real complete world. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Now, the music in this game. Also, great. Yeah, some some of the best, man. Uh, Naoki Kodaka, he's knocking it out of the park here. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the music, just when you're driving around and stuff, Oh, I, I could listen to it on end. There are several tracks from this game that I've loved for many years, and a few that I didn't hear until I was an adult and still love, you know? Oh, yeah. I really like the exploration and action elements the way they coincide even though there aren't a lot of really super powerful power-ups there's just enough to make me if i'm missing a gun or two i'm gonna go check out a, a room or so at least in the early levels <laughs> but it's not just exploring for coins or you know it's like I, at least i can use them definitely now that is one of the things that does make this game harder and that is the fact that there are tons of areas to go to that you never need to even step foot in yeah absolutely and you can poke around but you you eventually find like okay i go to this room and you start to memorize it and that allows you to get farther so it's it's cool i like it yeah that is one of my bigger gripes though is i wish there was something for you in more of those areas yeah i mean i wish there was more reasons to explore every uh hallway instead of like you know once you have this game down or if you are using a playthrough if you know what area the boss is in then you really don't have to go into any of the other ones no you can just you know skip by since this game doesn't have any passwords or a save i can kind of see it to where you wouldn't want to have to go around exploring every time you play this game you know <laughs> like right even though that is one of the things i really like about it now, one of the things that has stuck with me since childhood is something I mentioned earlier, and that is the coloring of the character. Yeah, there's a lot of like pinkish purple in this game. <laughs> and your costume itself, you are a character in a spacesuit that is, I guess, supposed to be red and white, but really reads as pink and white mm -hmm. to me. Yeah, I agree. And there is a stripe on the top of your helmet. Yeah. And it is positioned in such a way with your kind of squat body as you are in the third person view that when you walk away from the camera, I can see nothing but the outline of Hello Kitty's head. <laughs> it's in and I think of it every time I see this character walking. Well, Hello Kitty is a good uh, approximation of your proportions here, too, because your head is enormous. 
Yeah, you're very chibi when you are out of that ship. I wish that you just had the same graphic for your little man on the side-scrolling levels when you went inside. I wish it was a super tiny sprite because this one's huge. It is huge. I wish I think there could be a happy middle ground. Yeah. Whereas that little tiny sprite when you're out of the vehicle just doesn't have a lot of animation to it. It can't do much. It's true. Because of its size. But I do feel like the large one is uh, so large that it really cramps the overhead areas. Yeah. Which brings me to my other huge complaint about this game. And that is that so many times when you're in the overhead maps, you are thrust into rooms when you go through a door or whatever. They're instant danger that you have to know what's coming or you have no time to react. Yeah, there are a couple gotchas in there. And sometimes it's just an enemy standing there that you run into that you really have no way of, of dealing with. Yeah, you got to be quick on your trigger finger. Going through this time, now that I knew about that strafe, it was there were quite a few trouble spots that were no trouble now where you can just keep moving forward or you, you have to go around a corner and you'll see, you know, there's an enemy waiting there and they're they're not going to they won't move till you go over there and then they'll shoot up. So before, you know, you'd have these things where it's like, all right, move over, face down, shoot, move back, dodge the bullet, keep doing that. Or certain bosses say the big lobster boss of level five, you know, and it's shooting all those bubbles. And before, you know, and it's like you can destroy these projectiles with your gun, but in order to dodge the few that you can't, you have to move. And then that, then now you're not shooting forward at the projectile. So the screen fills back up. And, but just being able to move left and right and just lay down a hail of bullet fire. Ooh, I love it. Yeah. This game does do lots of bullets very well. Now, I also want to talk about. One of my other favorite things about this game, and that is not the game itself, but the opening to the game. Oh, yeah. It's got a cool one. Man, the animation of that sh the, the tank starting up and then driving through that cave. Yeah, yeah. It looks awesome, and it gets you, like, pumped. Oh, and it's well queued up with the music, too, where it's like a real, like, dun-dun-dun-dun. Yes. I remember that got me so hyped for this game as a kid. Yeah, yeah. And still does to this day. Oh, it's all Have you seen... uh? The meta fight one, it's not in a cave. It's like a high-tech background. No. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to go check this out. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I saw it. It's just one of the few differences, like, between the U.S. and Japan. Yeah. All right, folks. That wraps up part one of our two-parter here for Blaster Master. So tune in next week while we go through the level-by-level -level portion of our show and the reviews. Yeah. I think... You might have an idea where we're going towards on this game from our <laughs> gushing uh, general chat section. But it is extremely hard. So while we do want you to try to play along, we understand if we don't if you don't make it to the end. Mm, indeed. So find a copy of this game any way you can. Like we said, it is on the Switch if you have it and the download service or the online service. Yeah, that's right. And if you have ever read any of the Worlds of Power books... Let us know about it at cartridgecommand at gmail.com. I'd love to uh, hear from some fellow readers out there. You can also get in touch with us at Cart Command on Twitter or Cartridge Command on the Facebooks. We'd love to hear from you there and try to respond whenever we can. Yeah. Our good friend Zach uh, said that he was super excited about this episode, and he also is a huge fan of the Zero series, so mm. they are highly praised. Yeah, well, I, I can't understand anyone who would have played this game and then played Zero and been like, nah. <laughs> like, right. And he gets in touch with us at thefacebook.com. So feel free to get in touch with us any way you want to. Yeah. 
And of course, at the end of every show, we go out of our way to thank those awesome, those wonderful folks that give to us at patreon.com slash cartridge command. It is their support that makes this show happen. Yeah. So <laughs> if you don't give and you like the show, consider doing so. I think we are going to try to revamp things a little bit on our patron Patreon here soon for the new year. So yeah. look forward to that. Yes, you're thanking in advance for your patience. And you know, we should say, I don't know if we've mentioned this recently, but since the quarantine and stuff began, it's our schedules weirdly are tough to line up. So it's yes. been it's been kind of a battle there to find the times, you know. Yes. So thank you for being so patient. Um, and, you know, we'd love to expand this cartridge command empire. So if you'd like to hear more, consider giving to us or just consider giving to us because you like the show and you want to hear it keep going because it's your support that makes this possible. Every little bit counts. So even a dollar is awesome to us. Mm -hmm. So thank you all very, very much. And yep. as always, cartridge commandos. Game on. Game a lang on. Game a lang. Game a lang. Game a lang a lang. All right. Now's the time on sprockets when we dance. <laughs> that was a joke I said the other day that no one at work got because they're all young. Ugh. It depends on the joke. Sometimes I've always, if it's like a funny joke that's also a reference, and they're like, oh, that's hilarious. I'm like, yeah, I made that up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you.